Show Talk podcast, space where I talk, you talk, and we talk about shows. We are back with another episode of Motherland Fort Salem season two, episode seven, and what an episode it was. I knew it was gonna be rough. I knew some BS was about to hit the fan after that trailer, after seeing Raelle on the operating table, after seeing Abigail and Adil get ready to fight and go to war. This was gonna be a hard one for us, and I was right. I was 100% right, but I'm nervous. I'm nervous of what is going to be the last three episodes, to be honest, because I feel like we're coming towards a really good conclusion. And I say that because right now we really know who the Camarilla leader is. And we see it as this guy, we don't really know his name, but we see it as the guy that's holding Rael captive. And we know it wasn't Shane. He wishes it was him, but it wasn't gonna be Shane. And then we now know who the leader of the spree is, which is Nikta, and she's making moves specifically against Alder because her own personal vendettas, which is honestly so disrespectful to the witches that do follow her, but regardless, she's there. So now that we have our two big enemies that we've been fighting for the last two seasons now revealed and possibly coming to an end by the end of this season, What does that make for season three going forward? What do we do? Like, I can't even think of what might be in Elliot's mind for how he ends this or how he creates a new beginning for season three. Low-key, I think Tally might be on her way to a, a revolution that might parallel the spree in some sense. But who knows? Who knows? And that's the crazy thing about it because we only have three episodes left. And however we end this season could be whatever we're going to be into for season three. And I am just excited. I'm excited and I have questions as I'm sure so many of you guys do as well. But let's get into it. Let's get into Abigail and Adil making moves, okay? Adil said, I am no longer a pacifist and I love to see it. Abigail's over here taking the vengeance that she truly deserved to get this episode and I love to see it. Tally's making moves, so is Nikta. Rael is getting up close and personal with the mushrooms as well as the Camarilla. And it's, it's crazy. It's crazy, okay? Especially with the whole Willa situation, which I'm not very happy about because I don't understand what was Willa's purpose for this season. What was her purpose from last season? I feel like they built her up so nicely season one, or at least towards the end of season one, and then the ball just like slipped this season. I don't know. Maybe I just expected a lot more for Willa. We'll get, we'll get into it and let's do that. So let's get into this episode of Mother and Fort Salem, season two, episode seven. So I really want to ease us into this episode. And for me, that means starting off with Tally's storyline and Alder and Nikta and what that means going forward with the spree and the future of Motherland Fort Salem. Because although it didn't have a major part in the saving of Rael or the fight against the Camarilla, it still carried a lot of importance when it came to fighting our main bad guys what may happen if Alder is compromised or if Fort Salem is compromised and different power plays and moments that may change everything going forward and may come back to light as we reach the finale. I was kind of upset that Tally wasn't part of the rescue mission for Rail because if you remember from my last episode, I really was talking about how it seemed like all of the characters were finally coming together and to find Rael and how big of a moment that was going to be. And someone did mention online as well that it would be so powerful for Rael, someone who's felt like everyone has abandoned her since her mother died and especially after the ghost episode where her mother didn't come and she felt even more abandoned and alone for everyone that she loved and cared for to come forth and try to save her so she could feel that love and affection and notice the imprint that she's made in so many people's lives. So I really wanted to have that moment. I really wanted us to see 
Tally use those powers that she's been given and growing into and have that be part of her saving Rail, but we didn't get that. Instead, we had Tally being pushed out and no one listening to her, no one giving her any information on what happened to Rael. And instead, we have her seeing what has happened to Alder. Now, this is very interesting. The fact that Alder, in this time, is so vulnerable because of the attack that had happened from Nicta. That no one is allowed into this warning circle, except for Anacostia, the Biddies, of course. And then maybe a few other generals that are able to heal and protect and really just provide safety for Alder. But the fact that they allowed Tally to come through and break into this circle, even for a moment, even to talk to Alder about Rael being safe and for Tally to be able to voice her opinions on how she feels against Alder, I thought that that was big in importance, mainly because... Maybe Alder does feel that connection between Tally still, because I know I've been thinking if this connection has been one way since it's been broken, since Tally's been unbiddified. I always wondered, like, is Tally the only one still feeling Alder? Is Tally the only one that still holds this connection and that's why she's getting all of these visions, etc.? But seeing the amount of things that Tally has been able to get away with, really blows my mind and I don't feel like Alder would let anyone be able to talk back to her or like disrespect her the way that Tally has which makes me think that their connection is still a lot stronger than we thought because Tally always comes in hot like she sees everything and like I said she's one of those people that she has to fight for the truth she always fights for her loved ones and so when she hears Alder call Rael the asset. She's kind of triggered, honestly, because she has this vision of Alder, of, of who she thinks Alder is, and it's kind of been broken down so many times this season since she hasn't been a biddy, and seeing now what the librarian said to her during Samhain, and seeing how Alder is now responding to the fact that one of her supposed daughters is back from the likes of the Camarilla. It's like she doesn't know what version of Alder that she can really trust and believe and so she's lashing out and the only way I feel she can lash out or, or turn this anger and confusion to is towards Alder. And the fact that Alder has let her for so long really makes me think that that connection is still there. It's just Alder is hiding it so much. And now that we know from Jess specifically that that moment is coming up between Alder and Tally that we might be able to see Alder's version of her connection and that emotion and power. Well, I wonder if also, random thought, we've been seeing Tally have these flashbacks from Alder for so long, but is Alder also having flashbacks and visions of Tally at all? Like, we know that the connection is not completely severed, so there has to be some kind of like loop that's happening between them and then that also makes me wonder if that loop happens between all the biddies you know what i mean mm, it's a lot to question it's a lot to question and i hope we go into that a little bit more or if elliot talks about that a little bit more i would love to know but anyway as tally continues to lash out and everything like that and it, it seems that she wants to turn her back on maybe Fort Salem or these ideas of Fort Salem that she's been holding on for so long, she still goes out of her way to save Alder. She uses these visions or powers that we've seen grow from her this season and is able to weed out the spy that Nikta has been using the entire time. And we see that they have a bit of a connection moment her and Nikta which has me questioning if Nikta has been seeing this growth in Tally the entire time and can recognize that Tally is wavering and knows the truth in some way but I'm just speculating because you never know I feel like the connection that Nikta and Tally have is very new and the fact that Tally's really trying to find out more about Nikta and now we know about the spree it, it gives me bad feelings. It makes me think that 
Tally may one day turn her back on Alder. And if she turns her back on Alder, she might be turning her back on Fort Salem altogether, but also leaves her open to the spree. And if that does happen, then will she join the spree, join Nicta now that she's known the truth? And if Nicta ends up somehow convincing her to turn sides or will she make like a spree adjacent or something similar that is still against Fort Salem but not exactly the spree? That's what I think is going to happen and I I don't not saying I want it to happen I just feel like Tally's storyline there's so much more to come from it and I feel like we might see that a little bit more in next episode but I wouldn't be surprised if Tally's like main tipping point of the season is coming up pretty soon with the spree and Alder and what that means for her. I had a moment though when Tally was talking to the Dodgers when she was trying to figure out more information on Rael on whether or not Tally would end up having an uprising and lead the Dodgers because the Dodgers kind of would be a representation of those sides of the Spree and Alder but like the middleman the people who decide to be free from their own perspectives so that could be something that she decides to tune herself into and I feel like her connection with Quinn and how Quinn does have that small group of Dodgers that she leads and talks to might set that off a little bit more and the only reason I say this is because I I, we're all at different compasses when it comes to the Camarilla and the Spree and the Dodgers and Fort Salem and so it wouldn't it would make sense to me for Tally to reach out into another corner of all these characters that we know and bring that into the fold especially since we were introduced to the Dodgers again this episode. So who knows? Who knows? And also, I keep thinking about that preview that we see where Tally's kind of just power walking down the street. And I, for some reason, cannot get the idea that there's a group of people trailing behind Tally and getting ready to, you know, fight. Because that's all this season's really about. It's about war. And it's about coming together and deciding to face our enemies head on. Abigail has a dill. That's her kind of, her little army right there. Rael has Scylla and the spirit of her mother now. and But she also has like the mushrooms behind her back. Alder has her whole army. I kind of want Tally to have her own little thing too. You know, is it just me? That's that's really what I'm looking for. Do you guys get that vibe as well? That like Tally's gonna have her own little uprising or moment? Would she join Nicta? Do you think that's a possibility? Hmm? We don't know. And also, at this point, Nicta has a lot of ways to get in contact with Tally if she wanted to, to kind of get her onto her side. Now, do I think Tally would do that? No, especially when you find out that Nicta is sacrificing her own witches and her own little army for her own vendetta against Alder, which, trash, you're telling me, you're telling me her people, the people on her side, willingly let themselves get tied up and like almost their limbs ripped from their bodies if Alder was going to suffer? Hmm? Hmm? You're telling me... Jonas, or whatever his name was, willingly had molten lava poured down his throat in order to kill, possibly, Alder, and everyone was okay with that? Everyone was okay with that. We didn't see that there was an issue here, that Nicta wasn't really looking to free the witches, but mostly just attack Alder? No? Okay. Cool. So I think... (laughs) I think... Tally is technically smarter than that and would see that and seeing as how we saw Tally see like a red kind of negative aurora against the biddy that was connected to Nicta makes me believe that she would see that negative energy 
if she did see Nikta in real life because that's all she's giving me. That that's all that Nikta is giving me. Nothing but negative, bad intentions, evil, you know? And I don't I don't say that about did I say that about Willa? No. Do I say that about Scylla? No. I don't say that about the majority of the spree, but Nikta she gives me bad vibes. She gives me bad vibes. I'm not a fan of it. So, I think that Tally will be smart enough to stay far away, but I do think after this moment that Nikta and Tally had that Nikta will be keeping her eyes on Tally a lot more to see what she could do. On the other hand of that, can someone explain to me how Nikta got access to the biddies? I I have a lot of questions in that regard. So are you telling me that maybe the biddy that took over for Tally was Spree? And if she was Spree sent from Nikta, then that's how they had like that connection for Nikta to be able to see everything, which means Nikta's been seeing everything for months, maybe even longer than that. It's like, what is up with the security of Port Salem? It's lax. They've been sitting on a high horse for so many years thinking that they're top guard, that they have all these powers and that they're safe and that the Camarilla is gone. And look at where we are now. Okay, this has been the multiple, multiple people have infiltrated Fort Salem. We had Scylla. She was all up in there taking classes, sleeping with Rayella on the side. In it. Then we had the two other Spree members that were able to come in and warn Scylla. So that's three people. Now we have this Biddy that's been watching Alder and the rest of them for whoever knows how long. And now I also think that there might be a Camarilla member also lurking within Fort Salem. So that's about five people that's infiltrated this structure since maybe season one. Who do we need to fire? Security is just lacking completely on this regard. And I think we need to get into that a little bit more because Alder can't be going into warding circles every time that her life is being attacked. Because like we talked about last episode or the episode before that, can't tell, but we talked about how Alder's life is important and her death could change a lot of things, which maybe that's what a- Nikta is aiming for. If Alder does die, then maybe the contract of the Accords dies. And if the Accords dies, then Fort Salem falls altogether. So maybe that's her end goal and maybe it's not that personal of a vendetta, but who knows? So if Alder does die, then that all falls. But Alder can't, you know, keep hiding out anytime things like this happens because she has a country to run. She has this organization to run. And now, because of this attack that's been so close to home and it has almost taken her out multiple times, she's had to give up some of her responsibilities to Petra. And I don't know how I feel about that because if you follow me on Twitter, you know that in some of my live tweets and random Motherland Fort Salem threads, I talked about how I'm really excited to see Petra and Alder's relationship grow and how it has grown from season one to now because we've noticed that kind of Alder has let herself be vulnerable in front of Petra. She's let Petra see her control the president. She's shared drinks with Petra now. Petra's kind of like a little bit of a confidant now that Alder can have and turn to, to the point where Petra's doing announcements in Alder's place. And so this bond that they have and this trust that's growing between them even though Petra for years has been trying to grow in the ranks and has been trying to overshadow Alder, it's kind of, we're at an impasse or at least a balance now and that they're understanding each other and their motives for everything, that I don't want Petra in these times of need where Alder is suffering and on her deathbed and vulnerable to be using these moments to climb in the ranks even more and to, you know, usurp Alder. I don't want it to happen. I don't want it to happen. We were just talking about the growth. We were just talking about the friendship that was growing between them. They're sharing whiskeys now. I don't want it to happen. But I'm seeing some things that I'm not exactly comfortable with. And Acostia and Tra are like having secret conversations with their eyes. Then I'm like, hold up, hold up. I'm what 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 was that? 
what was that? Especially because I definitely don't like the Anacostia and Petra relationship since we found out that Petra was the one that told Anacostia to be following Scylla behind Alder's back. I don't like that. I don't, why are we making moves behind Alder's back? Why are the people that are most important to Alder making moves behind her back? I don't know. So the more that Anacostia and Petra interact with each other, even in the most subtle ways in this episode, I'm peeping. I'm peeping because I want to know what's happening and if Alder should be worried about the people closest to her because, you know, I put Alder first. So the stress is real. The stress is real. Is Alder now vulnerable from the spree and Nicta while at the same time vulnerable from the people in her own circle. We don't know. We don't know. And now that we know that security is lacking within Fort Salem, she can't even trust her own walls. She can't even trust where she sleeps at night. The stress is real and I don't know what we're going to do. At this point, I think things have hit so close to home that it's about time that Alder comes out and starts talking about the Camarilla in real time with other people and other witches and starts talking about the spree in real time with other people and other witches. And I really hope that Tally goes and talks to Alder about the fact that the spree might be Nicta. Even if Alder already knows, I need them to have that conversation just in case. Because if Tally is seeing things and if she does get that bond with Nicta, we're gonna need that out in the open as soon as possible as soon as possible and so there's a lot of things to worry about and it may not have seemed as serious as what was happening with Rael and Abigail and the Camarilla but it, it's really scary in the fact that it affects the foundation of Fort Salem and the home that our girls have and that the rest of the witches have so far and to see that it's crumbling from the inside out is just it's it's a lot to think about and it's a lot to you know dive into whether it's gonna be a friend that really breaks that down breaks the foundation and security that we have down or if it's gonna be a foe or if it's gonna be both at this point that's what we're gonna have to keep an eye out for speaking of breaking down foundations Adil and Abigail's moment this episode was so beautiful to watch because I feel like Abigail really got her vengeance and she wasn't gonna let anyone slow her down with that. She wasn't gonna let Adil slow her down with that. She wasn't gonna let the Camarilla slow her down and that is the Abigail that we have been waiting for. The Abigail that is more than just a bellwether, more than just her trauma, more than her name. She really came through this episode and showed how strong and powerful she was, which was just amazing to see. And especially since she had to go as far as to just go behind the backs of everyone. And the fact that she only had Adil as her backup, someone who he said multiple times, is a pacifist and, and doesn't do all that unless it's a defense, etc. So she kind of knew she was going in. She was going to be the bronze of the operation the entire time without backup, without anybody on her side. It, for many of us, you would think that that was just a suicide mission. And the fact that she admitted that she was scared going into this, but that fear would be the one that would take them down if they didn't stand up to it so powerful and that's what I really love about Abigail she could give me a speech any time of the day in this show and I would just fall in line for her because everything she says is so true that she has spent the entirety of her life being in fear of what comes next and being a disappointment and being the last of her line and now of the Camarilla and you know owning up to her own truths and her own powers and to let that really hold her down just takes away from how strong she actually is and she's finally showing that which is great and we got to see a little bit more of Adil's powers now as well because we've only seen him be able to disrupt molecules in order to become invisible, which I thought was really cool. And then we saw him use his magic as well to remove 
Charvel's blood from her body to be able to track that down. That was really awesome as well. I thought it was really interesting to find out that he his work was because I know we talked about the different factions of different powers that we've seen so far in Motherland, which we have weather magic like Abigail's, and then we have necropsy like Scylla's, and then we have Tally's version of sight and everything like that. And to know that his earth magic is so powerful, it's it's pretty cool. And I kind of want to know what extent his power is and how it's able to bend certain things when it comes to the earth. Like, how is he able to manipulate what we can see in order to make himself invisible? Or the fact that he can take down an entire building with his work or disrupt bones. Like, how deep is earth magic? We know it's powerful to the fact that everyone wants to know it, and the fact that Alder has wanted to to learn it from Kalita for so long, but, like, how powerful? How connected to the earth is it? Like, is he able to connect with bones because bones kind of, like, go into the earth and it's, like, minerals? Or, or what? I don't know. And I think it is really interesting that someone with that kind of power or the Tareem in general with that type of power have considered themselves pacifists for over 10,000 years. Excuse me? He was getting ready to go to war with Abigail. That's what she's been saying for the last two episodes. What was he going to do when they finally got to the Camarilla? Sit there, sit on the sidelines, and let Abigail go in by herself? What was the plan here? Clearly he had to get ready to go to war. He had to get ready to use that work and put it to work. That's what I didn't understand. Abigail and Adil were over here sitting, fighting over the fact that Adil has, you know, kind of abandoned the ideas and notions that his tribe has followed for so long. But what has, what it, I'm not gonna lie, it may be insensitive to say, But what have those ideas and histories and all of that, what what has it gotten them but almost deceit? Like, the line is almost dead. It's almost dead. It lies with Kalita and Adil at this point. 10,000 years of history down the drain, yes. But at this point, enough is enough. They gotta use what they really have to survive. And Abigail has been trying to tell him that for two seasons now. So to finally see Adil, you know, let loose and and swing some fists is really exciting for me because I kind of feel like he's meeting Abigail's level at this point, you know, which makes me love the relationship even more. Although I do feel like this might cause a bit of a strain on the relationship because I feel like he'll always fall into what he's been taught about being a pacifist and not wanting to fall into the ideas of war and and all that that means. So the fact that Abigail is now taking on this new evolution and finding that vengeance, it, it might clash between the two of them. But I feel like that ending of the episode with Adil and Abigail they might come to an understanding but who knows that's something that we're going to have to keep in mind as we're watching that relationship grow but regardless i don't think either of them can come back from what happened in the fight against the camaria because abigail really went in there and just removed the skin from somebody's body and i'm not even mad i'm really not even mad about it because he had the audacity to use charvel's voice to intimidate abigail and kind of lower her defenses and it almost worked we saw those flashbacks we saw a hint of that that trauma come rise up again and that's something that is never going to leave because she lost her loved ones she's almost died multiple times by these same exact people but I feel like this was kind of a bit of a therapy session. That 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 death scene was, you know, it was needed for all of us. It was needed for the entire Bellwether family. And that vengeance was met. And, I, and I'm not mad about it. And the, fact that, and the fact that she was then there to be able to save Rael, I felt was so beautiful because it showed that she could have all this anger and 
create all this destruction to the point where she could melt the skin off of somebody's body with her work and, and get her revenge and have it be worth it even if it is something ugly and disgusting as war but then be able to save Rael's life and and be part of that and the beauty of that it, it kind of just it balanced it all out you know it, it made it seem so much more beautiful in a sense and kind of just healing in another I don't know maybe I'm looking too deep into this but I just felt like that moment where Abigail had that that kill and could get Charvel's voice back even when she said like this is for you Charvel or I got that that vengeance for you it was still kind of you know it's still kind of raw for Abigail you know it was still something that was angry and you could tell it it carried a lot of what's been happening to her since the beginning of the season and it kind of felt like it wasn't her in a sense it was her trauma that was really fighting and so the fact that she could bring that back in and then go save someone that she cares about someone that she loves instead of losing someone else in that place it kind of felt like a new chapter for Abigail really and I think that that's something that's going to be great to see for her and now what she's going to do going forward as she has destroyed someone who stole Charvel's voice box but also destroyed the compound that's carried a majority of the Camarilla and all on her own with no help from her family or Alder or Fort Sam. She did that because she decided that she was going to be the force that broke down the enemies that stood in front of her. So it's going to be great to see what her new chapter is going to be and what moves she decides to take next because we know that the Camarilla are not fully gone as we saw the escape of one of the main scientist which I believe is the official head of the Camarilla the person that Shane thought he was um but yes now that he has escaped it lets us know that the fight and this war that we have against the Camarilla is not over yet which means Abigail is going to have to fight again which means Rael is going to have to fight again and now Tally and maybe Alder will finally get to have her chance at revenge for what happened to her in the past against the Camarilla. Who knows? It's going to be a lot. It's going to be a moment. What really was a great moment this episode, though, was rail scenes, because that was the main focus of this episode. Seeing how far people were going to go to save Rael, seeing how far the mycelium was going to go to protect her, seeing how far the Camarilla was going to go to keep her and to, you know, break into her secrets and what it meant for her to be such a unique witch and in the hands of Fort Salem. So they kind of really wanted her to know what they were up against and they almost, they almost did. They learned a lot this episode from what Rael can do and I hate to say it, but Alder is right. She is an asset. She is something different, something like the Camarilla doesn't know about because we've heard from After the Storm that they keep an eye on all of their major witches, all of the strongest witches that are the most powerful and have a chance to get at them. And yet Rael is new to them. It's somebody that they don't understand. They don't understand why she can't die. They don't understand why the mycelium protects her. They don't understand what makes her unique. And it's like in all these torture methods that they use in trying to figure it out, they learn a little bit more about the mycelium while also learning a little bit more about Rael. So that leaves me scared to figure out what they're going to do now that the leader of the Camarilla has escaped but also has all of that knowledge which I'm going to get into a little bit more but what he did in order to get that information was just so I don't know we had a lot of torture scene this this episode in relation to Rael and every moment just got worse and worse and the fact that in After the Storm we learned that Taylor, you know, has to take a step back and really learn that separation between work and what she's playing. The scenes that they're recording is just, 
it showed how powerful it was to them as much as it was to us. I think some of the strongest moments that kind of stood out to me were when they were going to press the rock on her chest, which so archaic because that moment where the leader starts spitting out scriptures, which of course they're religious, no surprise there. Of course they had to be somebody who considers themselves holy and that witches are unnatural, something they've been saying for centuries to let themselves sleep at night for the pure fact of that they're torturing and murdering witches for centuries, willing to murder children for centuries. Of course they had to use the Lord's name in order to, you know, let themselves go another day. But when he goes and, and spits out some scriptures about how you know, he wants to be old-fashioned and how what that used to mean was pelting witches with rocks until they died and how they tried to do that to Tiffany and now here they are placing this huge boulder on top of Rael to, like, basically crush her organs to death and that must have been so painful just thinking of it from, like, Rael's perspective and yet how strong she held on for these children that they brought forth to be sacrificed for the mycelium because of course every time they've tried to kill Rael the mycelium has come back and protected her and brought her back from the dead but every time it's latched out at her enemies and so they thought maybe they could use her her death or this moment to kill these young witches which would honestly break her and you could see that in her eyes when she says I'm sorry and yet in this time where she's probably in so much immense pain and is clinging on to life in order to protect these children she's so strong and like resilient against what's happening and puts on this brave face as to show that she's calm and strong and they should be calm and strong even if it is their last moments as well so the fact that she could still do that even in that moment was probably one of my favorite moments in all of the torture scenes but also the fact that the mycelium at the end of the day didn't attack the children back like they really stood back and said this is what it means to say not our daughters this is what it means to really protect your own and they say at the end of the day, we know who our enemies are and their enemies are the Camarilla and whoever decides to hurt Rael. And I loved that because it's like, you know, I, I started having this discussion with one of my friends when we were talking about this little venom organism that the Camarilla have and they use. And I was wondering if there was a connection between this venom organism along with the mycelium. Because we see this mycelium, every time that Rael dies, it comes out as like little wisps or like this form that rises from Rael's body. And yet it kind of draws some similarities to me to the venom organism. So I wonder if they're similar in some sense, if this is just a deranged or malfunctioned version that the Camarilla were able to manipulate and control from some type of sample that, that they were able to get or maybe there is another wall somewhere out there that they have access to because we talked about how the wall is huge and is powerful. There's no way that something this big and this alive can only be found in one place that is Fort Salem. So the possibility of it being in other places, of it being manipulated to be able to create this organism that the Camarilla have been using is a possibility because we don't know a lot about the mycelium. We don't know really what it can do. We know that it's powerful. We know that it's latched on to Freyel, but that's kind of the extent of what we really know of it. I mean, not even Alder knows much about what the mycelium can do, which leaves up to interpretation of whether or not this venom organism that's created and is the wall connected in some way. I mean, it would make sense because maybe that's why when the 
venom interacts with the wall, they're not able to fight it off as well as other things because it's a similar organism or a similar being that's just as strong as them. You know, think of it as like Venom versus Carnage. I'm sorry, I love Venom so much and I am so excited for this movie and that's probably where all these parallels are coming from. But they're the same organism. They come from the same species, but they are two different beings altogether. It's been, you know, manipulated and turned into this Carnage that's able to fight Venom in an even more drastic way that even Venom backs down from it at first because it's different and it's red and it's something that is bigger and stronger than them. So maybe it's the same thing. This this new organism that attacks the wall, although it may be the same thing, it may be bigger and stronger and has a better advantage against the wall than it's used to. So that's a, that's just an idea that I'm throwing out there for you guys, for you guys to think about when we learn more. Because who knows? Who knows where this organism is coming from and why it can defeat the wall? Because the wall so far has been able to, you know, defeat everything that's come its way to keep Rail alive. And the more we learn about it, the more we're going to see how powerful it really is. I mean, look at what happened every time Rail was within life and death. It kind of took her consciousness and brought her into a safe space while it brought her back to life. And so it kept her protected and comforted in that time. And this was honestly also the first time we got to hear it speak and actually reach out to Rael and let her know that the reason that they are with her, the reason that they have chosen her is because she's different from the rest. She, someone that doesn't ask for power, doesn't seek it or search for it as many others have. And I know I asked that question before a couple episodes ago about why it was real when they have been, you know, studying this wall for so long. And I, I wondered if Maybe they wanted necromancers to really be the only ones in touch with the wall and yet still nothing for so many years and now this. So maybe it is starting to have more human emotions, more human thoughts because it's Rael and because they've learned from her as well through that connection, but we don't know. I liked seeing it in a physical form though. Because when we saw Rael kind of in that, that dreamscape, in that area, it kind of looked like to me as if it was the vocal cords. It looked like the strings were just parts of the cords that we saw when we were looking at Rael's cords through the scry, which I thought was really cool because it's kind of like all the, the ancestors that have been within the mycelium kind of like coming together we could hear multiple voices when it spoke to her and I felt like every chord that we saw was like a different person that has come in contact with the wall in some way and so I thought that was like really cool I thought it would it would be really cooler too if it was like we could see like generations of the wall or, or generations of people who've come in contact with the wall that no one has known about that would be really cool if it could come as like a, a physical representation of a person to be able to speak to her but regardless the fact that it was speaking at all was really interesting to see and to see it have some kind of emotion or, or see it have some kind of like motherling oh my gosh it had mothering instincts for her which makes it even more sad because of willa Damn. I mean, I have words to say about the placement of Willa this season and last season, but we can't not acknowledge the fact that Willa did make a super big sacrifice to save Rael, seeing that the wall was unable to protect her from this organism that the Camarilla has created. Which is crazy because for all we know, this wall is the strongest thing we have. And to know that not even this could fight it shows that in the end, we are still back at the drawing board. We are still one step behind the Camarilla and that is something that we should be worried about if we were ever to face off with them one-on-one. -on -one. So the fact that 
Willa using the same work and the same healing style as Rael physically takes on this organism to have it latch onto her and remove itself from Rael really broke my heart because that moment where they see each other, especially after episode five, after Samhain, when Rael felt abandoned because her mother didn't come to her as a ghost and she felt like maybe her mother didn't love her or she was disappointed in her in some way. For her ghost or consciousness to come to her at this time when she thought she was dying and to tell her that they still love her and to tell her that, you know, she's sorry for leaving her. That was a, a rough moment to see, especially because you could see it on Rael's face. Her having her mo- her mother in that moment, someone that she's wanted for seasons, someone that she's needed for seasons and had to learn to live without getting a chance to see her again and knowing this sacrifice that her mother was taking was so heart-wrenching and Taylor depicted that so well that even I felt bad about what happened even though I was so angry about what happened I was so sad about it too because I felt like Rael didn't need that Rael didn't need another guilt on her conscience for being alive At first, we saw that when we thought that the children were going to die because of her, and now her mother is dying or is dead because of her and because of the Camarilla and what they've done to her and the sacrifice that her mother had to do. And so I was like, that's another thing she has to put on her plate. And then add that to the fact that learning about the fact that Willa lied to her and like kind of abandoned her. Because Willa didn't really have a a good excuse for why she abandoned her daughter, but she did. So now it's like, well, what do we do? We add on both of those conflicts and then add Scylla on top of it. That's too much. That's too much for one person. And so you would think this is going to be a big moment that like there's going to be a lot of anger, a lot of mistrust, a lot of guilt to go around in the next couple of episodes. But it looks like in the trailer that's not true. Like it looks like Rael kind of just brushes that underneath the rug because well her mother wasn't in her life to begin with and well maybe she does still love Scylla at the end of the day which makes no sense because like we've we've grown with Rael this entire season and last season and we know like how she would respond to things I don't know maybe I'm jumping the gun to seeing how she's going to react to both the guilt of her being a part of the reason for why her mother is dead and not getting that chance to meet her and get that chance to understand why her mother left but also you know the return of Scylla and why Scylla left and what Scylla is and then also just everything else on top of it the fact that now she's supposed to be this asset this savior for the witches and now she realizing that she can't even do that because of this organism that they have. It's a lot on her shoulders and I really hope that they do it justice in how she reacts to it and maybe she'll react differently because she's grown so far and Fort Salem and her sisters have really, you know, grounded her and helped her move through a lot of the emotions and trauma that she has faced and she'll have them by her side in order to process everything. So maybe that'll make it different, but I hope they stay true to Rael's character in that sense because, I don't know, I'm just comparing like season one Rael and even the Rael this season who would run up to Anacostia about Scylla and just like realize like how would she respond to this? You know, how would you think she would respond to all of these factors all at the same time after coming back from the dead at least seven times and being held captive by one of the deadliest forces which is this century that's a lot on somebody's plate i mean look at what happened to abigail and her trauma response and what that led to what is the new what is this gonna do what is what is this gonna break like what is this gonna make i want to know i want to see it and i'm excited to see it tomorrow and i hope you guys are as well also let's get into it willa I want to talk about Willa's place this season, last season. What is it for? 
what is it for? Because last season, we built up Willa to be this big bad figure because she was the spree, right? We found out she was spree. We found out she abandoned Rael and that she's been alive this entire time. So in my head, for episodes, I know I've said this multiple times, but for episodes, I was like, okay, Willa is this big bad spree member. She kills people, you know, all for the cause, etc. And then this season, we kind of saw her like dim down, like that characterization that like was built up in our head of what kind of person she was or who she was going to be. And then I was like, all right, well, she's a mother. I'll keep that in mind when I look at like the motives and actions behind some of the things that she does this episode. But I saw nothing. Like I saw no growth. I saw no character arc. I saw like just a woman who at the end of the day maybe just loved her daughter but like it didn't make sense like there was no reason for her to be spree to find out later on that she regretted being in the spree to later find out that even though she was in the spree she sent her daughter to Fort Salem or let her daughter be in Fort Salem because she thought she could protect her that way from the spree like we could have dived into that a lot more and connected that to Nicta you know what I mean and then we would have had Scylla and Willa's connection to Nicta as well as Tally and Alder's connection to Nicta like if we went into Willa's origin story for why she regretted being the spree or why she toned down in a lot of the methods that she went through to like get Rael it just it makes no sense to me and I was talking about this earlier with other mutuals and I was like you know what Willa was really here for she was here to be a placeholder for Scylla to disappear to she was here for Scylla to be able to go somewhere else and separate that like Rael and Scylla relationship and so that Rael could go through that and Scylla would have a place within the spree to be able to you know join Anacostia and find out about the Camarilla. Willa did not have a real storyline. Let's just say that right now. She did not really have a, a storyline. It wasn't really there. To be honest if we found out that Willa if I were to if I were to make this if I were to make this setup I would have had it be Willa be dead you know what? Like, gone. It's fine. She would have came up in Samhain, we would have had that talk, called it a day, right? And then I would have had it so when Scylla went back to the spree, she would have found that connection with Nicta and saw what Nicta was actually doing and her motives for everything and would have been like, nah, I'm not with it. And then so when she finally joined up with Anacostia, that would have been her way back to Rael because she would have realized that the spree and the motivations that the spree had was not something that she wanted to do after everything that she's learned and wanted to be with Rael. So then it would have been that connection between Tally, Alder, Anacostia, Nicta, and all of that together. So then they would have been like, be able to bring everyone into the fold you know then Tally would have been able to come in it would have made a lot more sense like Willa had no place like I was really aiming for her to have this big moment this season where Rail was gonna find out her mom was gonna be Spree she was gonna have to choose her life between Spree and Fort Salem after the connections that she made with Fort Salem I've been saying this for an entire season for what I'm disappointed I'm disappointed because there was no need for Willa. There was no need for Willa. We really could have just ended that, nipped that whole thing in the butt in Samhain and called it a day and called it a day. And yet here we are, a waste of a character. I mean, yes, yes, she saved Rael's life at the end of the day and without her, that may not have happened but at the same time he could have had her come through during the dreamscape as well and start singing some fixer magic and just snatch that right through and it would have been seeing how you know strong the mycelium was to the organism that the Camarilla had and we would have still shown Rael as an asset and how strong the wall was and how it could you know defeated and Rail learning how to do that again without her mother this time <sighs> options we had options and yet this is how it ended so now 
not only did Willa abandon her daughter, didn't even give her a real explanation, stole her daughter's girlfriend, killed mad people, and then now left her daughter with the guilt of her death being Rael's fault. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. And you know, I feel bad for critiquing it this much. I love this show. I've asked so many people to watch it. I've talked about it so much. I've recorded so many episodes for this show. But this, this, we built up since season one for this? I'm upset. Just a little bit. I'm a little bit upset because it could have been better. It could have been a lot better. But I guess that's wrapped up. Maybe that's why we started seeing less and less people on Willa's side of the spree because they were all joining Nicta and because we needed a way to, you know, have them all disperse and go away before Willa died. Because then who would have led them? Scylla? Okay. That wasn't going to happen. So I don't, it just doesn't make sense. It, what, what about this entire thing with Willa made sense to anybody? Anybody? Yes, it was a powerful moment. But still, we deserved better. That's all I have to say about that. I mean, the fact that now Rael and Scylla are in this new new chapter of their life, they are now brought together. I'll give her that. They, she caused that. She, she brought them together in her last moments. But now we're going to have to face a new hurdle. Rael's going to have to decide whether or not she can forgive Scylla and, and what she did and who she is. And we know for a fact Abigail's not going to do it. No because that's her sister. She she saw Rael struggle without Scylla, almost die because of Scylla. And for Rael to just turn back around and, and forgive her for that or continue loving her for that, we're going to have to see a lot of mental takes that that's going to do on her and on the whole group together. Because if they do get back together, I feel like that's going to be hard on Abigail. That's probably going to be hard on Tally, even though Tally is so forgiving. But to see their sister be vulnerable and put herself back in that situation where they could get hurt again for someone who is considered a terrorist, for someone who is the spree, who's killed so many of their own, you know, that's going to take a lot. And that's also going to be really hypocritical of Tally to forgive Scylla when Alder's right there. She got her own grievances with that one. She needs to figure out before she can forgive anyone else. So, you know, that's going to be interesting to see. Yes, I have been looking at Scylla a lot differently this season and I'm really starting to see her love for Rael, but I feel like she's got some groveling to do before I can accept that relationship back 100. There's going to be needing a lot of talks a lot of open communication, everything on the table before they get back together officially. And I was hoping, I was really hoping that Rael was going to dabble with someone else before Scylla came back, just so she could understand that it could be with someone else or be with someone who treated her better than Scylla did, but it is what it is. I can't complain. I mean, as long as Rael's happy, because that was the main goal, but I'm not, I'm not 100% happy about it, I'm not gonna lie. So we'll see. We'll see how that relationship goes now that it's everything's out in the open and Rail's really going to need someone to lean on and Scylla might now be that person since she's the closest person to her mother so far. She's had that connection with her mother. She's gotten to know her mother in a way that Rail hasn't been able to know since her mother was alive in her eyes. So that'll be something that they'll have and maybe something that they'll bond too and and something that will bring them closer maybe that's also another reason why willow was put in this i don't know well that's all i really have for you guys for this episode of mullen fort salem episode seven so sorry it took so long to come out again i promised i wasn't gonna do this and yet here we are hours before the new episode and i'm releasing this episode now i apologize it's been rough on your girl but I had this ready for you guys and it took so long for me to edit and release this last part for you. But here it is and I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you loved this episode as much as I did. Did you have critiques? Did you have questions? Were some of the theories that you thought of similar to mine? Let me know. 
You can always follow me on Show Talk Podcast on Twitter if you want to talk to me there. I love talking to you mutuals. I love going through and reading everyone's theories and liking and retweeting everything. So if you'd like to follow me, go right on ahead. You can always, you know, send me an email at showtalkpodcast at gmail.com or check out my website, showtalk.blog, if you'd like to see other shows that I am podcasting. But like always, keep on talking about this show, about others. And I will see you next time.